Good morning again to you. If you have your Bibles today, and I hope that you do, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 9. Over in the New Testament, beginning with Matthew, Mark, Gospel of Mark chapter 9. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you in your life ever failed at something? A few, few, few head shakes there. Have you ever been defeated at something? Okay. It could be something as small as a, a ball game or a competition. It could be something as significant as a marriage, a relationship, a, a, a job, uh, an education. But we failed. We were defeated in some way. Failure is never fun. Defeat is rarely something considered enjoyable. It can be embarrassing. It can be humiliating. Uh, It can even be painful at times. Our response to it can be life-changing, altering the course or the direction that we are going in life. Two days after her 17th birthday, Laura Welch had a friend in her car and the wind in her hair. The world was young in 1963. From Laura's music to school to her friends to the young couple who were in the White House, John and Jackie Kennedy. Whatever problems Laura had, they were very minor ones, if any at all. And this day was meant for driving, listening to the radio, and chatting with her girlfriend. They were just driving down the road, enjoying life. In the midst of the chatter, Laura made a mistake. She didn't see the stop sign, and the blur of the onrushing vehicles ground to a standstill by the terrible crunching of metal. Laura and her friend were shaken up, but they were able to recognize the car that had been knocked through the intersection. It belonged to 17-year-old Michael Douglas, a popular student in Midland, Texas. Michael was also Laura's boyfriend. He had been thrown from the car. He suffered a broken neck. And by the time help had arrived, his life was gone. Laura knew it was her fault. She knew that she had failed. It was devastating. No words to describe it. No way to face it. Laura says now, many years later, as an adult and a parent, she understands now more than ever the painful consequences of that moment. It brought devastation not only to her life, but heartbreak to another family. It was, without a doubt, the worst day of Laura's life. It would be many years before Laura could think of dating seriously again. But romance did flourish, and Laura married, raised her children, and took the spiritual reins of her family after that day in 1963. 
Laura found only one real strength that would not fail her, and that was her faith in God. Only her faith saw Laura through that day and the days that followed. Never again did she carry a casual attitude about life or about her trust in God. But Laura's marriage eventually came to a crucial and critical crossroads. Her two rich husbands started drinking more and more, and in 1986, Laura confronted him. According to the report, she laid it on the line, he must choose between her and the alcohol. He chose wisely, made the choice, and he subdued his thirst and desire for the alcohol. He began to pay more attention to his wife and to the faith that she had shown him. He soon found that a deep abiding faith was worth the effort, worth his investment of time and energy. And today, both Laura and her husband, future or former, excuse me, former President George W. Bush, look back on the entire season of struggle as the burning and turning point of their marriage, their family and for their political journey, Laura, however, says her life changed years before. On an ordinary day in 1963, that became the worst day of her life. Failures. Defeat. We can allow those things to devastate our life and to cause us to choose directions and make decisions that will further devastate and destroy our life. Or we can choose to learn from those. We can choose to allow those to teach us lessons and help us have greater understanding and drive us deeper to our faith in God to help us overcome those defeats and those failures in life. In Mark chapter 9, there is an event surrounding great victory followed by terrible defeat. And in both cases, we learn lessons of what we can choose to do with either of them. First thing is we open the chapters to know that Jesus has selected some disciples and they have gone up to the mountaintop. We refer to it today, looking back on it, as the Mount of Transfiguration. It tells us in Mark, the ninth chapter, that there was a vision or an appearance of some of the great spiritual leaders of the days gone by. And the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, it would be good if we were to build three tabernacles here. And those tabernacles would be dwelling places for you and those who've joined us here on the mountaintop. And Jesus, of course, instructed them that that was not to be the case and as a cloud of mist came through, those who had shown had disappeared, and they were left with Jesus and Jesus alone. I think that in itself is such an important lesson for us. That no matter who comes and goes in life, ultimately, as Christians, we're left with Him and Him alone. No one else. No one else matters. No one else counts. No one else is significant other than Him in the spiritual journey of our life. And we need to understand that. Sometimes we put people on a pedestal. We think, oh, they're so important. They're so significant to my life. Sometimes we look at people and think they're so terrible and, and horrible to our life. Yet, when we're left with anything that really makes a difference, it's Him and Him alone. Jesus. 
the only one who can make a difference in our lives. They'd come back down from the mountaintop. And I think that's interesting. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But when they came back down from the mountaintop is where we want to pick up in the text today. And listen to what it says. When they came back, beginning in verse 14, when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the uh, entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, What are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son. That's important. I brought you my son. Possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground. And he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. Very important. They could not do it. And he answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him. When he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. He asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, it has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, well, there's an important, really important question. But if you can do anything. Take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, see, Jesus listened to what he said. Jesus said, if you can. What do you mean if you can? You're bringing him to me to do something, but yet there seems to be doubt in if I can do anything. If you can, he said, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Jesus saw that the crowd was rapidly gathering. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him and do not enter him again. After crying out and throwing him into a terrible convulsion, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him And he got up. And when he came to the house, his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Incredible story. There's a credible story of of victory. The high mountain experience that the disciples had in, in the Mount of Transfiguration and the glory and the presence of Jesus. And then they return to the valley below. And when they return to the valley below, they are met with defeat. They they are are met with a a devastating encounter, if you would, with the people who were gathered there. And so there are three things that I want us to learn from these two experiences today. The first one is this. We never move beyond our need for Jesus. 
We never move beyond our need for Jesus. We all look for and long for, and we need those mountaintop experiences in our life, in our spiritual journey. However, we can't stay there. We have to come back to the valley. And the reason we have to come back to the valley is that Jesus needs us here. Jesus needs us to help those who are hurting, to to talk to those who are struggling, to give encouragement to those that are in difficulties in their life, to share the gospel message with those who are lost, encouraging them that they might come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that, that we might influence others. How we live day by day, how we preach and teach the gospel message to the lost. He needs our working and serving Him in this life. He needs us to be His hands and His feet and His mouthpiece in the midst of the darkness of this world. And we have to understand that that's what He's called us to. Every believer, every Christian, every person who's named the name of Jesus, He calls us to be His hands and His feet. He calls us to be His mouthpiece to the world. To share with them the message that, that He is the Savior. To share with them the message that He can make a difference in their life. And only He can bring glory to their future and hope to their lives and encouragement. When we are faced with criticism. Remember when He comes back, the disciples are in an argument. They're having an argument. And, and the criticism is coming because why? Because they failed. Because they were defeated. Because they couldn't do what this man had asked them to do. Jesus had given them the power. We find, if we read in the Gospels, that Jesus had instructed them to cast out demons. Jesus had instructed them to preach and teach in His name. He had given them the authority to do that, and yet they met with failure. Yet they met with defeat. And in the midst of that, they found themselves defending themselves because people had begun to criticize People would begin to say, hey, wait a minute, you're supposed to be these guys that are, that are living with Jesus and going around with Jesus, and, and you're supposed to be leading in His movement, and, and you can't even cast out this demon? What's wrong with you? What, what's the problem here? And so in the midst of being criticized, guess what? We need Jesus. We never move beyond our need of Him. And in the midst of this criticism, the midst of this controversy and the things that are going on, they need Jesus. In the midst of the controversy of our world and the things that we face day by day, we need Jesus. And we never move beyond needing Jesus. We never move beyond needing Jesus when we are confronted with Satan. That's exactly where they were, right? It was an evil spirit. It was a spirit from Satan. And the spirit had possessed this boy's body. And the father had come looking for help. And so when they were confronted with Jesus and when they were confronted with Satan, they needed Jesus. We're confronted with Satan every day in our life. He calls to tempt us to do things that we shouldn't do, to say things that we shouldn't say, think things that we shouldn't think. Causes us to, to fail to do what God has called us to do. We're confronted with Satan every day. And when we're confronted with him, we need Jesus. We need him in our hearts and in our lives. And we need him when we face defeat. He's the only one who can lift us up and put our feet back on solid ground. Dust us off and head us in the right direction again. Second thing is that we never move beyond our need for faith. Verses 19 through 27 really emphasizes and illustrates the point of that. The real question not, is not how much faith do we have, but rather the real, real question is this uh, in whom is our faith placed? It's not about how much faith we have. The scripture says that faith of a mustard seed. <laughs> How tiny is that? 
faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. It's not how much faith we have. It's who is our faith in. Is our faith in us? Is it in our education? Is it in our bank account? Is it in our abilities? Is it in our knowledge? Is it our understanding? Uh, Is it our position? Do we have faith in those things that lead us in life? And we think, oh, that's what my faith is in. It's what I can do. It's what I can accomplish. It's where I can go and what I can, can do in life. Instead of saying, my faith is in Him. My faith is in the Lord. My, my trust is in Him. Uh, when we find ourselves and we need help and healing, that's where the disciples find themselves, it is it's in Christ, not in the depth of our faith. But, but it's an understanding that our direction of our faith needs to be to Him, not to us. Our faith is not in things of this world. It's not in the things within ourselves. But it is our faith in Him. What makes the difference is not the power of our faith, but rather the person of our faith. Faith in Him and in nothing else. And so we never move beyond needing that faith in our lives. Third and final thing is this. We never move beyond our need for prayer. As we move through the story, we begin to see the the failure that was encountered. Jesus had given them authority, Jesus had given them power, and He had instructed them in regards to how they were to conduct the ministry and the teachings that they were doing. Yet the lesson that we learn is that day by day, whatever had happened, their prayer life was not what it should be. They had not stayed connected to the Lord in their life and in their ministry and in their service. And because they were not connected to Him through their prayer life, because they were not following Him in faith as they should and putting their faith in Him, possibly they had done some miracles and things had happened, and they'd begin to build some confidence in themselves. Oh, look what we can do. Look how great we are. Look how people love us. Don't know that for sure. It doesn't tell us that here. But the idea is this. At some point, for some reason, their faith had, had begun to falter and their prayer life had begun to decrease and they weren't in the connection with the Lord that, that they should have been. And so they failed. They were defeated. And suddenly they were embarrassed. So, suddenly they, they felt devastated. And once Jesus had performed the miracle, it says they went inside and privately off to the side, they went to Jesus and they asked a question. Why could we not cast this demon out? Anytime we fail, anytime we're defeated, it's a really good time to begin to ask some questions about us. Not pointing the finger, blaming someone else. Not saying, oh, they this or they that. What caused my failure or my defeat? It's a great question to ask. Another question that we can ask is, where did I go wrong? Not pointing the finger, not blaming someone else. Where did I go wrong? What caused my failure my defeat? What could I have done differently in that situation? that maybe would have avoided the failure or defeat? What should I have done differently? See, these are great questions because they are all about what we do. 
It's not blaming someone else. It's not accusing someone else. It's about me. How can I change to ensure I do not repeat this failure or defeat in my life? Now, the disciples were asking some questions. But the main question that we see is this question. Jesus, why could we not cast out this demon? And what was Jesus' response? He said, listen, the only thing is this. The only way this demon can be dealt with is through prayer. The only way that you can deal with this demon is that your prayer life be what it should be. That your connection with the Lord would be what it should be. That you should have the right relationship with Him. That you should be prayed up and faith in Him and trust in Him. And if you do that, He says, then, then you have the ability to overcome. If you don't do that, He says, you're destined for certain failure. And so when we consider the failure that they face today, there are lessons that we can learn. Just like when we have failures or defeats in our life, there are lessons that we can learn. We must believe and trust in the Lord. We must put our faith in Him, not in ourselves, or any of our abilities, or, or any of those things, or the things of this world, put our faith and trust in Him. We must believe, and our, our belief must fuel our trust And we must trust in Him and that we must have a prayer life that allows us to communicate to Him on a daily, regular, moment-by-moment basis that allows our faith and trust and our eyes to remain on Him. And if we will do that spiritually, we will have victory. If we don't do that spiritually, we will face defeat. We will face failure. We must have a a connection of our faith. And the only way to connect that faith is through our prayer line. Jesus said, the only way this kind can be cast out is by prayer. He didn't say by great power. He didn't say by, by great authority. He didn't say by any of those things. He said, the only way these kind can be cast out is by prayer. We've got to be a people of and we're facing the things that we're facing in our world today. Challenges, difficulties, disruptions. The only thing that will make a difference is for us to be a people of prayer. And in our prayer life, we can learn from our mistakes. We can learn from our defeats. We can learn from our failures. And we can allow those to help us to continue to grow and our faith and trust in the Lord. And so this morning, I'm going to end where we begin. Ever failed? Ever been defeated? Do you need hope? Do you need healing? Do you need direction? It begins with an active prayer life. Communicating with the Father. And if you need to begin that here today, a decision in your life that, that I'm going I'm to be more committed, more faithful to my prayer life, I'm going to be more connected to the Lord and His Word through my prayer life, then this invitation is for you. It's a time for us to make decisions about our spiritual journey. And have we allowed our failures and our defeats to destroy us and devastate us? Or have we learned from them? Are we growing from them? Are we moving forward in relationship to that?
whatever decision on your heart this morning. Won't you come as we stand and we sing?